Come to the place where the fun never ends. Chip and Eric and friends. Dun dun dun. You're gonna make dun dun dun. Okay. Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome back. Open up a cold, frosty one. <laughs> what I mean is cracking open a room temperature diet ginger ale. Mm -mm -mm. You knew that. You all knew that. Guys, I'm back with my favorite. I don't want to even say guest host. Co-host. Co-host. Kind of cosplaying like April O'Neil tonight. I feel promoted. Yeah, you should. Everybody, welcome Hannah back. We are so glad, Hannah, to have you back. Okay. You... The beautiful hair, the style. You've got this sweet, like, leatherish jacket on. Got some cheese stuck in your tooth. Yeah. Just... Surprised you could even see it. It's the same color. And, you know, cheese. since you never smile when I'm around. But, yeah. Yeah. She looks so mad. Happy, I mean, though. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Thanks. I like reading the Bible with you. I'm glad to be here. It's cool reading with you. Good. Okay. Well, speaking of being cool reading with me. Today is day 34. It's impressive. Yeah, You're, we're almost done. It's crazy how fast it goes. It just flies right by. Yeah, it feels like every day is like two weeks for you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, they've been really long lately. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, so today is day 34. We're gonna read Exodus 31, 32, 33, and John 18, one through 23. Sounds like a plan. That is the plan. I'm gonna sip this. Okay. loudly and you guys if you don't like the sound of me sipping this can loudly you can feel free to email allison <laughs> <clears throat> now let's read do you want to start sure you can start thanks privileged exodus 31 craftsmen bezalel and aholiab thanks a lot then the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And I have personally appointed Aholiab, son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, to be his assistant. Moreover, I have given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I have commanded you to make. The tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark's cover, the place of atonement, all the furnishings of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with all its accessories, the incense altar, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, the wash basin with its stand, the beautifully stitched garments, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense for the holy place. The craftsman must make everything as I have commanded you. I'm going to drop my pen. Okay. Instructions for the Sabbath. The Lord then gave these instructions to Moses. Tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. You must keep the Sabbath day, for it is a holy day for you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. The people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. 
It is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped working and was refreshed. When the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two stone, the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant written by the finger of God. Exodus 32, the gold calf. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from your ears, from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all of this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. <clears throat> so the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain. He held in his hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. These tablets were God's work. The words on them were written by God himself. When Joshua heard the boisterous noise of the people shouting below them, he exclaimed to Moses, it sounds like war in the camp. But Moses replied, no, it's not a shout of victory nor the wailing of defeat. I hear the sound of a celebration. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into powder, threw it into the water and forced the people to Ooh. drink it. Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, what did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible <laughs> sin upon them? Don't get so upset, my Lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and shouted, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. Moses told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, each of you take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other, kill everyone, 
even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' command, and about 3,000 people died that day. Then Moses told the Levites, Today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord, for you obeyed him, even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. Moses intercedes for Israel. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a terrible sin, but I will go back up, the mount, back up to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But now, if you, if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. But the Lord replied to Moses, No, I will erase the name of everyone who sinned against me. Now go, lead the people to the place I told you about. Look, my angel will lead the way before you. And when I come to call the people to account, I will certainly hold them responsible for their sins. Then the Lord sent a great plague upon the people because they had worshipped the calf Aaron had made. Genesis or Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. When the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes. For the Lord had told Moses to tell them, You are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I were to travel with you for even a moment, I would destroy you. Remove your jewelry and fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. So from the time they left Mount Sinai, the Israelites wore no more jewelry or fine clothes. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside of the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Moses sees the Lord's glory. One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If this is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your, on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy on anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind but my face will not be seen. 
All right, we're going to jump forward here to John chapter 18. John 18, Jesus is betrayed and arrested. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. I told you that I am he, he Jesus said. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Jesus at the high priest's house. So the soldiers, their commanding officer in the temple guards, arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they took him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest at that time. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, it's better that one man should die for the people. Peter's first denial. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, You're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it warming themselves, and Peter stood with them warming himself. The high priest questions Jesus. Inside, the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Jesus replied, Everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Then one of the temple guards standing, by, standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face. Is that any way to answer the high priest, he demanded? Jesus replied, if I said anything wrong, you must prove it. But if I'm speaking the truth, why are you beating me? And that is our reading today. Hannah didn't want to say it, but you said it. Anyway. I did. Because you're cool. You're just so darn cool. I am. Yeah. It's the leather jacket. It is the, the leather jacket and the cheese. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I'll tell you, um, the leather jacket definitely smells better than the cheese. So. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as, if it's been stuck in my teeth for a week or whatever, like week. you said. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, we're not that gross. Or two weeks. It's been two weeks. Oh my that. goodness. Yeah. Well, hey, we read that. We did. You, you read awesome, of course, and we had two questions in mind. And the questions are, how does this help me love God more? How does this help me love others more? So, Hannah, mm -hmm. how does this help you love? God more. God more. Okay. Well, there were a couple things that stuck out to me because um, there's kind of two different stories in the Exodus that we mm, read. Few, and yeah. so, well, yeah. And so the first one was a verse that um, I needed to hear a few months ago because I wasn't really feeling qualified for my position as a worship leader. Okay. I never did training, schooling, never felt the calling necessarily. Um, but it was. But you could do a backflip. So that makes me qualified to be a worship leader? Yeah. Is that, yeah. I, yeah, that's 
still not qualified, but that's okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so someone had come up to me and just said, look, like you are called to this. And I was reading this chapter in Exodus and um, several times when God gives these, you know, these callings on people to make these intricate and amazing things, he, oh, it always says in there that he gifts them with the skills that they need to do the job. Yeah. And so that just speaks to me that, you know, when God calls you to something, he's not just going to leave you high and dry and be like, okay, have fun, good luck. Like he's going to give you, he's going to equip you and empower you to do the work that he wants you to do. And so that stood out to me. Um, it's just another way I love, reason I love God is just because he, he's always there. He equips you and um, helps you do what he's called you to do. And that's kind of a nice little check, too, because if you are not doing something that he's called you to, mm -hmm. or if you're doing something he's called, he's like really not called you to, and you notice that he's not helping you do it, there might be a little deeper issue there. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that thing. But anyway. And that can be um, something bad or something right. you're just forcing the door open on. Exactly. You know, exactly. like, oh, man, I definitely shouldn't be doing this. And yeah. Yeah, totally. So, and then the other neat thing was the next story um, with, with the cat which that story always makes me laugh. And we shake our, and like, I used to shake my head a lot at like, what are these Israelites doing? Like they can see, but, well, I know, but the like- The gold came out as a cat. Oh, that's true. I know, I always forget that, that part. But I always, you know, for years, I shake my head like, what are these Israelites? They had them right there. Like, how did they not believe? How did they turn so quickly? But I mean, we do the same thing. Yep. And it's just, it's baffling. Like we, yep. we love God on Sunday and we're back to, all of our sins Sunday night, not even Monday. Like it's, it's sheer insanity. But anyway, with that, I think it's really cool that God's mind can be changed. Yeah. Like he knows everything that's going to happen and yeah. he knows all the possibilities, but you know, he's not just a puppeteer up there, like directing steps. Like he lets us make our own choices, but his mind can be changed. He doesn't change his personality, his power, everything doesn't change, but he, his mind can be changed. And I think that's really cool that he makes that so clear in such a time when he's so, you know, he's obviously the ultimate authority, but like he's very differently authoritative in the Old Testament, I feel. Like he's, you know, kind of more strict and stern and has all these laws and stuff, which he had to because of the covenants and all that. But, um, I think it's cool that he showed that his mind can be changed in such an authoritative time. And now with the new covenant, you know, we should really be looking at that with like, you know, we're free from the law. So mm -hmm. if his mind could be changed when the law was law and now we're free from the law, like we should be talking to him all the time yeah. and like bringing him our concerns and things like yeah. that. This is an instance where you can see that prayer and some people are really uncomfortable with this concept mm. uh, because Good. they can't comprehend that God can be in control of everything and have this perfect plan and still need to change his mind or choose to change his mind. He doesn't need to do anything. Choose to change his mind from time to time. People are very uncomfortable with that concept. And the reality is it is the plainest reading of the text. God changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring. And like, I mean, you want to go deeper and like really scary. Like why on earth would we pray? Why would we bring him our supplications yeah. and our requests if we didn't think he could change his mind? Yeah. Like if he this. doesn't genuinely change the plan, I mean, and, and then we'll read it later this year, but you, you know, you look at King Hezekiah in, I think it's second Kings. It could be, I think it's second Kings, but you know, he's sick. Isaiah, the prophet comes and says, Hey, the Lord says you're going to die. And mm -hmm. Isaiah starts praying. And by the time Isaiah or Hezekiah starts praying, by the time Isaiah gets out of the courtyard, 
God says, hey, go back and tell him that I heard his prayer and I'm going to give him 15 more years. <laughs> so like, how can he, so either God was lying. Right. And, you know, I'm a lot less comfortable with that than <laughs> with the idea that God can change his mind. Right. And that he does. And so, uh, yeah, I think that that is good. And, and you're right. It, it shows us that we should pray and we should pray with the expectation that even if God has determined something, he can genu genuinely change the plan. Mm -hmm. God can change the plan. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. Mm -hmm. He's God. If we don't think he can do everything, you know, and still be in control, then what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So exactly. I think that's a great one, Hannah. All right. So I'm supposed to come up with how this helps <laughs> me love others. And I want to find something in John. Let's go to John and see what we can find. Uh, I do want to say just briefly, this tent of meeting that Moses and Joshua would go into is not the tabernacle. Different tent of meeting. Because mm -hmm. tabernacle means tent of meeting. Mm -hmm. So just to clarify that it's a different tent. That's cool. And so just because the tabernacle wasn't completed. Okay. Let's see what's going on here. Okay. How can I love others better from what I see here? Um, well, I love that Jesus is in, I don't love what I'm about to say. Jesus is in this huge moment of crisis mm -hmm. and he's experiencing crisis. I mean, that's one of the things is as a human being, Jesus experienced the anxieties, the pressures and the crises that we experience. This is a crisis. His friend has gone off and sold him out to people that hate him for no reason. Um, people that should be embracing him and worshiping him and following him. They hate him for no reason. They hate him without cause. And his friend has gone and sold them out. And what Jesus doesn't do is just fold and say, okay, well, I guess this is the deal. Now he does say, should I not drink this cup of suffering? But what does he do? He says, hey, you got me. Now let these guys go. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes what happens when we're in crises <laughs> is um, we say, all right, I'm taking down everybody with me. If I'm going down, everybody's coming with me. And maybe we don't say that at the front of our minds, but we act that way. Mm -hmm. When something bad is happening, it's like it becomes everyone's problem. We make sure this is going to be everyone's problem. If I'm going through it, everyone's going to suffer. And sometimes we do it consciously, sometimes we do it subconsciously. But Jesus was very careful. He says, look, I told you I'm he, and since I'm the one you want, let these others go. Right? Let them go. Now, they could have arrested Peter. And they could have arrested John and all the other disciples. They could have. Um, and in fact, later, Peter is so afraid that they're going to kill him that he denies Jesus. So they could have taken all of them right at that moment. But Jesus goes the extra mile, ticks them off a little extra, and says, hey, let's let these guys go. You don't need them. You have me. You don't need them. And he kind of stands in the gap for them. So how can I love others better? I can make sure that my crises don't become everyone's crises. And I can go above and beyond to protect the people I love and especially the people I'm trusted to lead. Hmm. So that's how I think I can love other people better. I like that. Okay. Hannah, say something profound, like just wise. You always tell me, I love talking off the cuff. Like I always have great <laughs> things to say. You say that to me all the time. I know. Maybe that's the profound Either thing. you say that to me all the time or I'm not listening. You're my husband, so which one do you think it is? That you say it to me all the time. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Do you have something profound and wise to say? Mm. Just something exciting, exhilarating even. Um, don't eat the yellow snow. Don't eat yellow snow. There's no snow anymore. Although we do have some people listening in Michigan 
and I think Minnesota. Nice. Massachusetts. And, yeah, Massachusetts. Washington. Wow. Um, Indiana gets lake effect. So maybe Indiana. So if you have snow, mind the color. Mm -hmm. Yes. Super proud of you guys. Thank you for being with us today. It's Sunday. No, Saturday. That's It's not Sunday. Oh my gosh, Hannah, do you know who I read with for tomorrow? I don't. Do we get to break out the guess, the guess who board? Yeah. You ready? Okay. Can you guess who do you have a clue? I remember the jingle for that game. I had no idea there was a jingle yeah, for that game. Yeah, of course. Game. I remember it. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Um, is it a woman? No. <laughs> um, so it's a man. Do they have glasses? Sometimes. Sometimes. <gasps> is it Steve? No. Steve always has glasses. It's just which glasses he has. The, okay, that's what I'm confusing. He one of the 20 pairs. Sometimes. They have hair? Yes. <laughs> that's me knocking Are down they the two people. Yes. Do they go to Harvest Church? No. Josh Pugh? Oh, he doesn't have hair. He kind of does. A little bit. A little. He's got hair. Josh Pugh has hair. A little bit Josh Pugh, don't listen to her. <laughs> I don't know. Who is it? I won't I tell you up. today. Everyone, you're going to have to give your best guess, but let me give you this clue, and Hannah will get it instantly. The rest of you, you probably won't get it, but you'll know him tomorrow, and you're really, you're going to love him. He's another semi-ordinary pastor. Thank you so much for joining us today, you guys, and we will be back in a couple of weeks, Hannah. We'll see you again. And we are super proud of you guys. We're getting there, doing great. Make sure you stay tuned. Hit the Facebook page to see the uh, weekly sort of recap thing. And make sure you tune in tomorrow to hear another semi-ordinary pastor who is married to Hannah's best friend. All right, see you guys later.